Welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump and I'm your host. Hey, thanks for joining me. Um, I am so thankful for all of our listeners and supporters out there. Thanks for listening to our episodes and commenting, uh, giving us some feedback. We appreciate it very, very much at the KMC. Uh, I know this episode is going to help a lot of you leaders out there. Uh, a lot of you, I know, struggle with engaging families with discipleship of their children. We saw this come out even greater during the pandemic season, where a lot of parents just really struggled with how do they do spiritual things at home on top of everything else. And it felt so overwhelming to them. And I know many of you as kid ministry leaders, family ministry leaders, you struggled with this idea too. How do we help families learn to disciple uh, and, and figure out ways that they can disciple without giving up too fast? And what if I were to tell you, and I can't believe this is so cool, that there's a resource out there that really will help you focus and develop a solid strategy to make this happen. Um, I just happened to have a friend of mine whose brother wrote this great book and we've got connected. And so I'm super excited because my guest is on today is really going to share with you about a, a book, a, really a passion project of his to help guide and train you and your families to train themselves on how to create a rhythm of discipleship. And it starts with the fundamentals. And so Daniel McKee is the author of Family Fundamentals, a playbook for family legacy. And Daniel, welcome to the KMC, man. We're so excited to have you. Tell us about yourself. Hey, thanks so much, Tom. Excited to be with you. And yeah, my name is Daniel and I'm married to my best friend, Ashley McKee. Uh, we have four kids, Cademan, Chloe, Ansley, and Abram. I've uh, been in student and family ministry for over 15 years, and we'll soon be transitioning from Cincinnati to the Atlanta area to live out our vision of multi-generational teams as we start this next chapter of ministry life, uh, as we want to be uh, closer to family and excited to see what God has in store for the next stage as we do family and generational teams well, uh, but also step forward into the next chapter of ministry. Yeah, that is exciting. And it's, it's, it's an exciting to be on an adventure. I understand fully of uh, having launched uh, Restoring Leaders, uh, you know, the whole unknown and following God. Uh, it, man, it's a terrifying journey, but it's also one of the most exhilarating uh, fun adventures. And so God bless you as you, as you do this, um, you know, yeah, for being all kid men leaders, it's the, uh, Elsa moment, right? We're going into the unknown. So. <laughs> yes, for sure. For <laughs> sure. God, right. That's why we came Ooh. in the first place. Yeah. I kind of wonder if Abram wrote that song, you know, for Elsa, you know, when God <laughs> said, Hey, I'm going to take you to a land, but I'm not going to tell you where, um, you just got to pack up everything and move. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that had to have been his theme song uh, for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, but you know, we always start our podcast off uh, with a why type question. And I'm just curious, why did you write a book um, about family discipleship and, and about creating a team atmosphere with your family? 
Yeah, I love that you start with why. That's actually what I challenge people with all the time. I believe people get caught up too much on the what. Um, And for me, this was like a key realization as I had developed student ministry, marriage ministry, parent strategies, and had been focused so much on fixing all these individual parts. But I realized like the bigger why of family, that must fit, we must answer that first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it all started at a family teams conference. My wife and I attended, we were asked to do this simple task. And I just love to challenge people to do this as well, but just to pause and define family. And it's crazy how simple it seems like it would be. But as I started to write, and as my wife and I looked at each other, I'm like, I'm a family life pastor. (laughs) Why can't I just write a definition of family? Uh, We've fumbled through it for a little while. And so that led me on a significant journey of trying to align all these parenting, marriage, and discipleship strategies for kids, students, and parents um, to a greater intentionality of the home and wanting the family to be a greater source of influence Mm -hmm. than even the church. And that we would be empowering and supporting the family, not supplanting them as the primary disciplers. Mm, that's good. That's so good. And I like how, because yeah, trying to define family in today's culture, that is a tough task. Because, yeah. you know, Ozzy and Harriet, um, the Brady Bunch, the Partridge family, um, you know, <laughs> go back to even Father's Knows Best. <laughs> uh, that's all gone. And, and there's so much difference nowadays that, that that's a, that's a tough task to try to nail down a, a, you know, a, a definition. And I, I found it interesting in your book that, you know, you really tackled it well. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty thought provoking for, for folks when they grab the book. Um, but you call this a playbook. Um, I'm curious too, why did you call it a playbook? Well, I felt like there's a lot of books out there that talk about a lot of concepts, um, but I wanted people to be activated, to have a workshop type of book that's going to help them take steps forward. Uh, and personally, I've played sports throughout all my life. I played soccer, basketball, football, ultimate Frisbee, and all kinds of other sports. And I know when you're doing team-based sports and you have a playbook and intentional strategy, you perform a lot stronger as a team. But when a coach isn't that intentional and kind of passive in training and they function as like a collection of individuals that are just kind of about their own stats and highlights, they're not nearly as effective as a team. And I believe families have the same challenge. I mean, are we actually functioning as multi-generational teams or just collections of individuals? Um, Mm -hmm. I've always heard parents wish that there was like a manual for their child, right? Like when the child comes out, like, Can somebody give me a manual for this? (laughs) I did not claim to write that because I don't think that exists. Every child is so unique. Um, But I did think that every family could have some anchors of clarity in a really confusing culture. So I felt like a playbook that I could put in their hands is something that's so needed in our time. Yeah. And and you build it around the team concept. Um, I'm curious, can you expand a little bit about what, why did you choose that kind of language? Because, you know, we chatted a little off air about just the the idea of the meaning of the name and stuff. So walk that out for us a little bit. And I know it's a little off script, but um, well, I'm going to hit you early with going off script. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, I think we've all bought in more than we know to this idea of nest versus team. 
And mm. so the nurturing nest is what we think we're supposed to create so that we can develop really strong individual birds that can fly off on their own. But there's so many problems with that metaphor um, when you think about it, because our goal is just to send them off and not stay connected. Is that really the goal of family? Um, right. and, and where's daddy bird in any of this? Like what's his part yes. in this nurturing nest? Uh, how can he step in and be a part of it? And I just don't, I, I don't think we recognize how much we're caught up in a culture of individualism in the Western mm -hmm. mindset in the world. And so we just follow this stream of individualism, helping culture, uh, instead of really helping build strong, connected teams. Uh, we actually have a very short memory uh, as a culture. When you think about it, most people barely know their grandparents or great-grandparents, and they don't know their family story. They don't even know what their last name means or any yeah. part of kind of their heritage. So because of that, what if we actually had something that lasted, an enduring legacy that we can say, I'm a part of a story that started way before me and that I hope extends way after me. And I'm just a small part of this whole thing, but I want my life to last and to matter. I want to lead a legacy. And so that's what the playbook of legacy and team is about. And then that kind of guides me to one other key concept is I think many parents focus, focus their time more as chaperones than coaches. Ooh, and yes. so it's like our goal is that they're fed and in bed, right? Like are, <laughs> are our kids eating and are they asleep? And then we've succeeded as parents um, instead of coaches are saying, how can I build up their skills? How can I leverage them for the good of the team? And how can we keep growing together? And so I, I want to move more and more parents into this coach mindset versus the chaperone mindset. Oh man, that's good. That's good. So what have you learned about you and your family as you establish some of these fundamentals uh, in this playbook for your family? And maybe even what were some of the, the speed bumps that you had uh, as you worked through some of this? Well, you know, coaching is always easy. And anytime you try to give direction, everybody wants to go along with it. So it's great. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so <laughs> the truth is, anytime you introduce change or you try to cast vision, there's always going to be a little bit of pushback. And it's been a journey for us just the same. You know, we've, we've learned as we've walked through this together with our family that this is such a need and we have to keep pushing past some of the speed bumps to say there's a better goal that we're going after and we're going to go there together. Um, and one of the, I think the keys that I try to hit on chapter one is I want to take the pressure off of families because I think every family has an ideal in their mind of what thriving looks like. Yes. Um, but there's always a gap between the ideal and the real, you know, it, it's like, we thought this was going to be like these obedient kids that anytime we open the Bible, they're going to sit and listen and love everything we had to say and ask great questions. And the truth is when we go to do it, it's so squirrely and somebody's always yes. touching somebody that you're like, just stop it. Can you just sit and listen for a second? You know? And so there is kind of that, that process that we have to, first of all, go, okay, it's not going to be this picture perfect reality, right. but it is a process of intentionality. And I think as we begin to have these intentional conversations in the home, it begins to be normalized. You know, I think at first, when we first started, it was hard um, because it was new, but the more that we've done it, the better we've got at it. 
And that's the way any fundamental or any process in life is. Positive practices over time bring momentum towards the goal that you're trying to get to. That's good. Um, but I believe establishing fundamentals really began for us in Jeremiah 6.16. Um, Jeremiah 6.16 says, uh, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths and ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Um, and so for us, we said, oh my goodness, what are the fundamentals of family? What are the ancient paths? What are the things that have stood the test of time that actually build a strong family identity and legacy? What are the, what's the good way? How can we walk in it? And then as we walk in it, we find rest for our souls, not always immediately, but over time, over development, we mm -hmm. get to this place of intentionality, rest, joy that we share together. Um, and so if there's anything I can encourage people in, in this whole process of developing fundamentals is to develop a family mission uh, that they know their family story, who they are, and then they reinforce this family mission um, with a weekly rhythm uh, around this powerful practice of Sabbath. And again, God gave a Sabbath, and that yes. was meant to be something for us to experience for, again, just like Jeremiah 6, 16 says, rest for our souls. But yet we reject it. And we go, no, I got more work to do, you know? And so, <laughs> uh, but God's saying, no, come in, know me, experience the blessing of walking with me and know that I crafted your family mm -hmm. uniquely on purpose. And mm -hmm. I want you to walk in the pattern uh, that I have for you. Yeah. Um, you know, the, what I, what I love about what I'm hearing is the fact that, you know, and, and I think a lot of families during the pandemic started to find a new rhythm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I always said, you know, people got to stop using the term new normal. It's really new now. Um, cause every day changes it's new now it's now, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they're, you know, for, I don't know what we're going to find as a, a normal on the other side of all this pandemic stuff. But one of the things that I've heard a lot, uh, you know, that families really enjoyed and was a mixed blessing out of the whole thing was they did simplify and they started to evaluate what's important. And that's another, another reason why I think more leaders you, you have got to hear about this book and get it into the hands of families and start implementing some of the strategies in their church and outside of their church because this is an opportunity to help parents as they're reestablishing some rhythms to truly find what works for them and how it can flow for them and not feel overwhelmed. Cause we talked about this software that so many families, you know, when, when the pandemic started, the lockdown started, you know, we had to move home, work home. We had school come home and then now church was coming home and we threw so much at parents that that engagement started to drop because parents were just overwhelmed. And if if something was going to get pushed to the side, it was probably going to be this, the, the church kid stuff because parents were wiped out from the week of working at home, managing school um, and all of those tasks. And so this is a great opportunity, I think, for families that do realize, hey, we do need to figure out some spiritual things for our kids and we do need to see that what's really important is not that our kids have bigger and better than we had in life, but that they fall in love with Jesus more. Um, and that their relationship with God, the father is so much more important than anything else. And uh, what I love is that you've established in this book, a format 
um, that really helps people build that that playbook for themselves and and to take a little bit and not to be overwhelmed because I love how you you know you strip away in the early chapters of hey there is no perfect family you're not going to do this perfectly but let's start with something and let's let's pick something and start building and and so you you drew out five T's um, T words that help, will help parents and leaders remember um, and to build on. Let's let's walk through some of those kind of things and and kind of you know flesh them out a little bit for for the leaders. So first one you started with was a time. Um, so let's talk about that. What what's what's that look like? Yeah, and so thanks, Tom. And you were talking about rhythm, and that is so important. One of the things I recognize about most families is they live under the tyranny of the urgent. Um, it's not really what they ultimately want. It's what's expected of them right now. And so their first things become last things in the tyranny of the urgent. And what I love about family fundamentals and walking through this with families, when you get them in a, a situation where they get to really write down, what do we value most? What do we want to build our families around? They always come back to core things, but whenever they're reacting in their schedule, usually the core thing, like I said, this first thing becomes a last thing. Um, and so that's why we developed the five T's because fundamentals, if you've played sports are what you always return to. You always go back to say, all right, how are we doing? Like, is my arm just like totally out of sync whenever I go to shoot the ball or, you know, what is, what is happening? Am I doing the fundamentals well? And so the five T's are team, time, table, tech, and traditions. Uh, And one of the things we thought about team is what if every family discovered their family mission Mm, and they could clearly articulate like, like my kids now, every Sabbath meal that we do, we just say, Hey, what's McKee mean? And they're like, well, McKee means fire. Okay. What's fire do? Well, fire brings light, warmth, and forever change. And um, what are, how do we do that? Well, the McKees exist to know God and make him known through loving, serving, and giving. This is a mantra that because we walk through the questions, because we spent time, now our kids have an identity. They know that, hey, what do we do when we engage in an environment? Well, we bring light, we bring truth uh, wherever we go, and we bring warmth, grace of God just kind of mm. sheds into the environment, and that changes things for eternity. So may we bring light, warmth, and forever change, you know, and so that depth of identity helps drive behavior. Mm. And so can I say something right there? Because I think this is huge. There are a lot of parents whose children, I mean, the enemy is attacking our kids at the identity level. Without a doubt. And, you know, we're seeing it all over the place, but it's, it's hitting and and it's coming at the church soon. I mean, people have got to start up preparing for this. And, and I, I mean, so I think that's a very powerful truth that you just nailed is the fact that your kids now know who God says they are. Um, And, and so I think that's, I I didn't want people to miss that, that this is, if, if, if you need a reason why to to start looking at this, I'm going to tell you right. There's one huge one is that if nothing else, your kids need to know their identity in Christ and who God defines them to be. So that when the world tries to re-identify it and try, try to confuse them and question, you know, cause doubt, because we know that's the enemy's, that, that's the enemy's playbook. There's no originality there. 
Um, the enemy from day one has tried to just get people to doubt, did God really say? So he's going to say to the kids, did God really design you to be? And by you pouring into your children that concept of team um, and and who God is and and who they are, man, that that's a very powerful too. So I didn't mean to, I just wanted people to catch that because I, I think that's huge how you laid that out in the book. So, okay. Well, so one, one added layer to that, that I think is so important that you're hitting on is we have to ask, what's the alternative? Mm. The alternative is a peer-based identity. Oof. And I don't, I don't want my kids to have a peer-based identity. What's that going to come from? Comparison and performance. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to feel good when they win and bad when they lose. They're going to feel yeah. like they measure up or they don't. And instead, I want to give them a solid base, a foundation that they're allowed to go fail and they're allowed to go succeed. And that yes. doesn't define them. It's instead, they already have a safety net um, of identity that's already been established. So, Oh, that's so good. Okay. So keep rolling here. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad you did that, but I, I'm like, man, I, that is so, so good. And it's just so timely that you mentioned that. So the team, it, it, when we developed that first and then time, we began to assess, how are we really doing? Like, is, is our rhythm working? Who set this rhythm? Why are we doing all the stuff that we're doing? I think okay. most people just think that they have to, and they don't recognize that they have a choice with their life to set the rhythm. Um, and mm. They need to, first of all, go back to God and say, God, you established our mission to be this as a family. Help us to build our rhythm around our mission, not try to fit a mission into an already crazy rhythm, but to begin to ask questions about how do we let this be primary, the mission, and then build our rhythm around it. Um, And so one of the big things we talk about is this concept of margin and ultimately Sabbath when it comes to time. God established Sabbath as an invitation to cease and celebrate. And yet, so few families experience it uh, because we kind of reject it. It's actually interesting, Jeremiah 6.16, at the end of all that, God's invitation to find rest for their souls. uh, It says next, you said, we will not walk in it. (laughs) And that's exactly (laughs) what we do so often. God says, rest and remember. And we're like, no, I got to work. And he's like, cease and celebrate. Uh, we can't stop, you know? And so if we just simply build this practice of Sabbath into our week, like for our family, what we did is we do screen-free Sundays where we just said, hey, we're taking a break. This is a set-apart day where we're just going to engage with each other. Uh, We're going to have a really good time together. We want our kids to look forward to Sabbath more than any other day of the week. And so we do church, we do a meal, uh, we have a great experience together. Um, and it's helped us learn to build margin. It kind of punches productivity in its face for just a minute to go, hold on. It's not just about what we produce. It's about enjoying what's already there. Um, and we've learned on Sabbath to pause and actually say, this is good. Like, how often do we do that? We just don't right. do it. God right. in goes, this is good. And we we never stop long enough to say, oh, this is a good moment. We're together. Mm. We're eating a meal together. God, yes. thank you for this. So, so that's time. And then that ultimately brings us to table, which again, one of the most fascinating research parts of this process was um, families. If they just eat together, it's crazy what happens in the home and the development of their children. Um, mm. Grades go up, literacy goes up, um, drug use goes down, teen pregnancy and addictions go down. Like 
all this stuff transforms just by eating together. Um, but especially the Sabbath meal, when you can reinforce identity, our formation of um, discipleship and making sure that we normalize spiritual conversations in the home. But the table is a powerful uh, oh, tool. Yeah. And so, and I love to eat. And so we, we like to... Well, I mean, you think about how, how many stories are exchanged and how relationships are developed um, and deepened around the table. Um, you know, and, and I mean, it's a powerful picture in scripture that Jesus sat down with so many people and broke bread with them. And there was that reclining, sitting around, you know, everybody's grabbing bowls and, you know, and dipping bread and, and, and there was just that sense of community and belonging and, and, uh, man, I mean, kids need that connection, especially, you know, from us fathers, um, you know, you know, tend to be, you know, out of the house all the time. And, and we did, you know, the statistics are that, you know, most dads don't spend that much time with a kid. Um, and so what a powerful time to sit there and sit at a, the table with your children and, and to have stories. I mean, I know, you know, what it means for my young adult kids now, when we, especially at the holidays, grab around the table and, and, the stories start flowing and the jokes start coming and, and uh, it's just a, it's a time of remembrance. And so I can see that as a very powerful tool that if parents are struggling with their families, just implementing this one part of your playbook could be a, a game changer for a family. Yeah. Um, just the key metaphor of having a seat at the table. I'm yeah. a part of something. And yes. our, our meals are not just meant to be something shoved down our throats to get back to screens or whatever we're doing. <laughs> right. It's meant to be a time of community and establishing relationships. That's how God defined, you know, our bodies in need and dependency yes. on food. And so in this gathering, like, it's also amazing how much gets passed on when you cook together and you invite your kids to be a part of that process. And you can develop a servant heart by cleaning up together. Like all these things are built yeah. within the table that are prepackaged for us to develop, uh, learning to put others ahead of yourself and learning how to serve. And so I just think many families are missing the table, but yes, for sure. And then technology, I have a huge passion around this area. My brother's written a book on it, um, <laughs> but I as well. Um, oh, have, we don't want to promote that book. Oh, no. yeah, he's been yeah. on the podcast before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to Matt. <laughs> yeah, I think parenting in a tech world is really good. And I think one of the things I tried to do in this book was to develop a really basic framework um, with two offensive strategies and two defensive strategies mm -hmm. when it comes I to technology. This. Um, and so the offensive strategies are uh, create and connect. We want to always be moving our family into that realm of, are we connecting together or is this just building isolation in our home? How are we using technology uh, to build more creativity um, and togetherness in our team versus individualism and isolationism? Um, and then uh, we also want to have time limits that, uh, that we're saying, hey, let's not let that end up destroying us. And, and really it's all about T-E-C-H. So the two defensive are time limits and eliminate secrecy. We want to make sure we build some limits and some strategy around, hey, let's not just have you know people in their rooms by themselves for endless amounts yep. of time. Um, but then create and connect and honor always are the offensive strategies to say, we should be honoring God 
and each other every time we use technology. Because technology is simply a tool. It's not, um, it's amoral. It's not evil or good. It just yep. speeds up the opportunity for evil or good every time we increase in technology. So whether that's a hammer or a computer, all it does <laughs> is speed up what's already in our hearts. And so we need to make sure that we're using technology to build, not break uh, our home and our team. So that's good. That's good. And then traditions are kind of that final uh -huh. one. And I just think there's key milestones and markers that if we use these moments, man, we reinforce identity. And when what's, what's rewarded is repeated, what's celebrated is honored and it's aspired towards. And so we yes. need to be celebrating well. If there's anything I can encourage families is party really well. <laughs> like we need better yes. partying families, you know? And yes. so when they do that, they say, this matters. Uh, so like we really encourage rite of passage moments um, because when it comes to uh, boys, when do they become men in our culture? There really is no answer uh, right. when it comes to an age, you know, when does a girl become a woman uh, in our culture? Again, there's no clear answer. You're going to get a variety of responses from people. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at other cultures across the world, many of them have key rite of passage moments. Um, one of the things we've began to understand is when does a boy become a man when a man tells him he's one and there's a powerful passing mm. that happens when a man says you are now a young man and you now have the responsibility and opportunity of manhood um, when a girl hears another woman say you are a woman you have been given gifts and you have a purpose and an identity that it's like the chest just kind of swells up in a boy that says, I'm a man now, you know, um, but until somebody tells them they're a man, they're always trying to perform or achieve or conquer in some way until somebody notices. Um, and so we want to affirm this identity again uh, of manhood and womanhood from an early time that they're kind of aspiring toward a rite of passage. That moment's going to happen. You get to reinforce family identity. And it's just a, it's a powerful um, tool in your toolbox of family identity and legacy. Um, but then we also have all kinds of holidays that many people don't even know why they celebrate them. You know, it's like, what does Easter have to do with a bunny and eggs again? Like, I don't know how we got there. <laughs> it's because people don't know the why. They just do the what. Yes. Uh, and so, but if we can use traditions well, we can reinforce our faith identity, our family mm. identity, uh, and really mark key moments. I love it. I love the idea of milestones. Um, I know Brian Haynes has a great resource on on legacy milestones and celebrating. He he teaches that very very well, and I love that concept. And I think more churches need to be more intentional about those kind of things. And yeah, I mean, I, I encourage families, you know, celebrate spiritual birthdays. Um, I, I see families doing these half birthday things and I'm like, who cares about a half birthday? How about a <laughs> spiritual birthday? I mean, yeah. that's, that's that significance there. Um, when a child gets baptized, that ought to be a big party. Um, I freaked out one of the churches I used to work with because I said, you know, I want to change the way we do baptisms and I want to make it a big celebration. I want to make a big deal of this because this is a big deal um, for a child to, to come out before the world and say, I am a follower of Jesus. We need to be celebrating. And so we need to have some noisemakers and we need to have some confetti and we need to, to uh, you know, we need to celebrate. 
Um, and so, you know, I just think those kind of moments are huge. And I think families have that opportunity to build that into their children's lives to say, these are significant things um, to look out. And, uh, and, and I think that's really powerful. Um, I love that celebration. I have a friend of mine too, that does a thing with, with men and their boys where they go out on a camping trip and they, all the fathers order a special sword um, and they do a blessing on the men. Um, and they have, they write a letter to their young men and then they bless them and they almost do the knighting ceremony thing with them and present their son with that sword. So that every time they look at that hanging on their wall, they know that they are a biblical man. And there's a, um, another ceremony that a, a friend does for the girls too. And, and they're presented per pearls and as a sign of beauty and, and purity and, and a wholeness and how pressure makes you stronger and 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 you have that inner beauty that no one can take away because um, you can't call a pearl anything other than a pearl and so um, women are told you know these young women are told they are they are daughters of god they are they are daughters of the king and no one can make them feel less than that um, right. and i think those are huge uh in this day where gender confusion and the hypersexuality is there so present and it's getting younger. Um, they're coming at the younger and younger kids. Um, we need to do these kind of things as a church. Um, so well done. I, I really appreciate, I think people as they look at your book are going to see these um, and, and be very encouraged. So how can a church leader, a lot of our, our listeners are our leaders in the, in the church, how, how could they use a book like this to help their families? Yeah, I think there's a variety of ways. And I love so much of what you were talking about there. We did have a strategy that we developed uh, around Rite of Passages uh, with, we called it Pass Through Fire for boys, and we called it Daughters of the King for the girls. And I think families can do it on their own if they don't have it in a church. But I believe churches can be a key catalyst to develop these opportunities. Um, yes. And we share a kindred spirit on baptisms. Uh, I used to, I grew up in a church where every time somebody got baptized, you would just hear like a little, Amen. You know, yes. <laughs> and I was like, no, like there's so much more that just happened. Go nuts, yeah. everybody. And so yes. I forget there was one Sunday where one of my friends got baptized and I just waited right when they came up. I just started clapping as loud as I could by myself. And then <laughs> like people started looking around for a second and then they just kind of started clapping, too. And it was just really <laughs> funny. Um, and then it actually became to normalize in my church the fact that we celebrated baptism. That's a whole nother cool. story. But Oh, anyway, awesome. <laughs> um, but I think for churches, I think this could be a great book for baby dedications mm. to say, we want to help you family have some anchors of clarity in a confusing culture as to what your family is all about. So I think it could work there. I think bringing in a seminar or a workshop, we do activations mm. uh, where we can do a team one where the whole family comes together in like a gym and we do some interactive games and stuff and oh, help cool. them begin to discover their family identity. Or we do like a parenting seminar, a full activation where we walk through the five T's and help people understand like, oh, this is what a team time table tech and traditions concept and strategy looks like. And so in that workshop, we want people to walk away with intentionality already. Uh, so I think we can come in and lead that over a Friday, Saturday, or we can just choose one simple seminar and uh, say, this is our greatest need right now is tech. 
None of our families have any strategy around tech. They just give their kids a device because they said they want one. Um, and so uh, we want to help you develop a process uh, that says, actually, we need to increase responsibility before, before we increase freedom. So how do we make sure they know what they're getting into? Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, so I think it can be any of those things. And really, just to encourage this in small groups, I think this is an awesome book for young families uh, to be able to work through together and to hear each other's stories and go, you know, we're struggling with our mission. What did you guys do? Oh, that's really good. Like we could, you know, we can make some changes to ours or I think we learn from each other as we walk it out. And I think there can be a lot of power and synergy around mm -hmm. small groups doing this together. I like that because you put a lot of questions in every chapter that, they're fantastic to work through and and it would be great to work through with other families and and to see you know where where are we struggling in, in the same ways because that helps provide that hey i can keep doing this because i'm not alone and you know because again the enemy loves to he's not creative um he but he you know he he gets people alone and then he throws stuff at them and and so i love how that idea that works man i mean because all the questions yeah you could easily walk through each chapter and and then use the questions in here to do it but um yeah as we get ready to wrap up i would love for you to talk a little bit uh, of how people can learn more about getting the book but and, and then anything else you want to share about about the workshops because i do recommend folks take a look at his website buy the book once you get it and you read it, you're going to be convinced this is something that you need to start putting in uh, your baby dedication gift bags and you need to be handing this out to families or or bringing Daniel in for a workshop um, because I, I can see this being a very much of a game changer right now and right now is the time to flip the script right now is the time to do something new and different um, families are open to it. Um, instead of working the old model which wasn't working um it was failing we just have to admit it was failing the church wasn't growing like it should be or could be this is an opportunity to start establishing a solid discipleship strategy in your church and i think this is a tool that could definitely help you out so um daniel tell us a little bit more of how they can find it we are going to put your link in the show notes um so people can go directly to your site from from the show note page but tell us about how they can get the book and and about the the uh, workshops i love it tom you you were saying a lot of great things especially about timing i think many families they got kind of forced home for a season and they started to look around and say these are my people oh we probably need to do something about that you know love them or hate them they're mine <laughs> right and so uh, we can we can develop intentionality in the home. And I think one of the things that can be too easy for us to do as ministry leaders is we can scold families for what they're not doing yes. instead of empowering for what they can be doing. And yes. so I, one of the goals of the book was to say, how can we make it doable? How can we activate something that can actually help families take a step forward in a mission, in a rhythm? in the table and in activating their family team uh, through technology and traditions. And, and so all of this is meant to really be a workshop and a movement forward. And so I don't want it just to be a book that inspires somebody and they walk away and go, that was nice. I want to instead let it be like this changed everything. When we walked through Family Fundamentals, we're different because of that moment. So yeah, family-fundamentals.com. You can learn more about the T's. You can um, 
you can send a message to try to schedule a workshop and a seminar. Uh, we also offer individualized family coaching. Um, and so we'll take a small group of four to six families um, that will be walking through on Zoom and we'll help them craft their mission and go through uh, some of those concepts together. And so you could do it with a small team of staff first and then start. Um, I mean, one of my big visions, if I could do anything, is I would love to see every church have a proactive family training center that's either led by one of the um, kidmen or family ministry directors that they're just doing a regular workshop where I can come and teach you how to do these five T's and then you can guide families through and say, we can do this. Let's yes. build a cycle of intentionality. Um, because I think all we have for the most part when it comes to family training um, is we have uh, reactive counseling. So mm -hmm. once things are broken, we can help you fix it. It's kind of the idea. Instead of what if we had proactive family training that said, we want to help you develop strategies and identity and mission so that you actually have intentionality as a family and set them up from the beginning, not scold them for messing up at the end. Uh, and so that's really our heartbeat. It just feels like a missing piece uh, that is not present. And I would love to train trainers, you know, even uh, all over the place and let every church have a family training center. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you can go to family-fundamentals.com. And uh, again, it'll be in the show notes as well, uh, where you can check out all of Daniel's resources. And he's got a blog there. Um, and there's all sorts of information, again, how you can start these activations. I love that um, term. Um, and, and again, you can pick up the book and I highly recommend y'all go get the book and, and read it. It is some great practical information. If you're a parent, um, I would encourage you to grab it, start implementing a, a, one of these, these strategies and watch what it does for your family and then start sharing it, um, and get it out there. If you've got a small group, invite your small group to journey in this book with you. Uh, and then you all pick some things and work together on implementing this uh, as part of your family playbook. Um, I guarantee, I just know that, that God will use this and bless it. So, well, man, Daniel, thank you so much for the time. Um, thanks for sharing this resource with our community. And uh, I pray that, that God will just continue to use it and that we'll see a lot more families um, pulling their team together and, and making an impact for the kingdom of God. I think that's awesome. So thanks again, man. Thanks so much, Tom. And we're rooting for team bump as well. And we know that God has a great uh, mission and vision for you guys. And I love what you're doing to empower leaders all over the place and refresh their hearts for ministry. We need refreshing. Uh, it's yes. been a difficult year, uh, but uh, joy comes in the morning, right? And oh, so we amen. continue to be renewed and refined in what we're called to do and let us rise up and keep sharing truth, keep giving grace where it's needed and keep building the kingdom. Amen. Well, guys, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast. Again, if you haven't subscribed yet, hope you'll do that or leave a review for us. Um, that just helps push us up there with those goofy little algorithms. Um, we can't stand them little things, but Hey, it helps us get the word out. So help us out there. Um, again, if you're not part of the Kid Ministry Collective Facebook group, uh, feel free to join. Make sure you answer the questions um, so we can get you in the group. 
Um, but we would love to have you interact with, with Daniel there as well as others uh, if we can be a resource to you. And again, if you need anything, please reach out. We're here to serve you, our kid ministry brothers and sisters. So God bless. Thanks again for listening and join us again real soon for the next edition of the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills and ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.